Wow, praise God. They took an ancient song that was really unsungable and made it, well, I thank you. God bless you. This took a lot of work. That took a lot of work. Love is love, right? So it can mean anything. In any way you want it to mean. Love is love. Sometimes if you look at some of these social media handles, somebody would say, I love my dog, I love my family, and I love my God. I just hope to God it's not in that order. <laughs> Indeed, recently, Pope Francis, in a gathering of other religions, leaders, Buddhists, Hindu, Muslims, and uh, in an effort of trying to get them all kind of united together, all the world religion into one world religion. He reputedly have said that we all can agree that God is love, whatever their ideas of God is. And therefore, love is God, and we can worship love. I guess how else were well, they going to form one world religion, right? They got to start somewhere. How else would you deny to all these religions who have a totally confused concept of God? How can, would, would they prepare the world for the Antichrist, the rule of the Antichrist worldwide? How will they prepare the world for the man of lawlessness who, by the way, is going to be a very relig religious person? He's going to perform miracles according to the Scripture. The Antichrist is going to identify himself with all that mishmash about worshiping love. Now, beloved, there are some folks who are totally and utterly confused by these deceptive ideas about God and His love. And these ideas are invading Western culture with vengeance, with vengeance. This utter falsehood is portraying God and His love uh, as benign, insipid, spineless, and universal neutrality is gaining momentum like an avalanche. Even an unbelieving neighbor of mine said, how all these things happening so fast, so quickly? Explain it to me. Even atheists, agnostics, and pagans, they all can unite with these folks who say, let's worship love because that's what God is. Well, in reality, the love of God is active, even fierce. God's love cost him colossal, a colossal and an incalculable price. God's love is incomprehensible, unfathomable and immeasurable. But there is one major reason as to why they're prostituting God's love. Because they want God's love to mean that it doesn't matter how morally depraved they become, God is okay with that. That it doesn't matter how morally perverted they become, God understands. 
It doesn't matter how morally corrupt they have become. Sugar daddy in heaven is cool with that. For them, love is love means that God not only loves them, but He loves the rebellion against His Word, the rebellion against His created order, His rebellion against His revelation and the gospel of Jesus Christ. But beloved, listen to me. We must never, never, never tire of not only exposing these falsehoods, but that invading our world and our schools and even many of our churches. But we need to refute it. We need to refute it. We must never tire of expressing our need to be reminded what God love means. And God loves means that He loves us enough to pay a colossal price for that. That means that every repentant sinner would come to God believing and repenting of their sins are welcomed by God, and this is the only way they can love Him back is by obeying His Word. But when it comes to the disciples of Jesus, we must live all of our lives attempting to comprehend the incomprehensible love of God. And that is one of the great prayers of the Apostle Paul, who was praying for the believers in Ephesus, but indeed all the saints. So I want you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3, verses 18 and 19, two verses only. Page 1820 in the Pew Bible, if you want to grab a Pew Bible. This is his deep commitment and his prayer for these disciples of Jesus, the saints of God in Ephesus. And his prayer is that they may grasp, that they would have the power, because we are powerless by nature. We cannot have the power to comprehend. So we needed the power of God, he says, to empower us to begin to comprehend the immensity of God's love. Please listen. Only God can empower us to do that. Nobody can comprehend the love of God without the power of God. And so that's what he said. He said, may have, that you may have the power together with all the saints, that's all of you here today, with all the saints, all the believers, all the disciples, to grasp how wide, how long, how high and how deep the love of Christ. And to know that love that surpasses knowledge, a use of translation that boggles the mind, that you may be filled with the measure of all the fullness of God. Father, only your Holy Spirit can take this which is impossible to comprehend and fill our hearts to overflowing. Let me remind you, if you just joined us today for the first time, that this is the fourth 
and the last in this series of the required curriculum for the disciples of Christ. <clears throat> Old Discipleship 101. These are not elective. These are the com absolutely compulsory <coughs> curriculum. First of all, we saw that the sovereignty of God is the actual around which all of God's attributes revolve. Then secondly, we saw how very close to the sovereignty of God is the holy difference of God. And thirdly, we saw in the last message the guiding hand of God to the disciples of Jesus, that His hand is guiding us even when we can't comprehend, even if we don't understand, even if we're puzzled at times. And that is why today I'm going to conclude the series by talking about the indescribable love of God for His disciples, for His children. Now, I want to tell you something at the outset, and I know this is something they do not teach. In fact, they teach you in communication never to do, but I'm going to do it anyway. I want to tell you at the outset, some of you, I'm not saying all of you, but some of you, certainly some watching maybe around the world, may find this kind of prayer very confusing. Uh, as I said, not all of you, some of you, but hang in there with me. It's going to become clear in a minute. Why am I saying this? Because what Paul is praying is this, for the disciples of Jesus to know the unknowable, for the disciples of Jesus to get to the bottom of the bottomless, for the disciples of Jesus to plumb the depth of the unfathomable. Now, for the few of you who found this statement confusing, take heart. It's going to be clear in a moment. Here's what Paul is praying, that you and I enter more deeply into comprehending the incomprehensible love of God. We say, Michael, how in the world can we do this? This is like somebody standing in Hawaii looking at the Pacific Ocean, knowing there's got to go to California swimming. No plane, no boat. You're going to swim the depth of that ocean, that Pacific Ocean. It appears to be impossible. But if you got this, then you got it. <laughs> it is nearly impossible. I want you to hear me right. The truth is this. Right now in this life, in this life in, in which we live, no matter how deep we try comprehending the love of God, it goes deeper still. It goes deeper still. 57 plus years, almost 58 years walking with the Lord, every time I try to comprehend, and I do that on a daily basis, the incredible love of God, I feel more and more that I'm a child playing in the sands. I haven't even got my feet wet in the ocean. And that is why the Apostle Paul says elsewhere, he said, now we know only in part but in heaven, we'll be spending all of eternity, all of eternity, fully comprehending how deep, how high, how wide, how broad the love of God is in Christ Jesus. Can I get an amen? amen. The song that Jeremy and the team did a great job singing today. It's an old song written by a man who's known as F.M. Lehman, Fred Frederick M. Lehman.
And he was trying to comprehend this verse. He was working on these two verses and trying to comprehend the depth of the love of God. And so he penned those words of that old magnificent hymn, the love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can tell. But here's the amazing thing about this hymn. The last stanza which we sang was not part of his writing. It's not part of his original hymn. That last stanza, and I'm going to say it to you again and hopefully get you to focus on it a little bit. That last stanza was found years later, written on the wall of a room in what they used to call back then an insane asylum. On the wall of one of the rooms in the insane asylum. And the last stanza is written by a man, in my judgment, more sane than the people who put him there. Listen to it again. Could we with ink the ocean fill, and were the sky of parchment made, were every stalk of earth a quill, and everyone ascribed by trade, to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry. Nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. As I said, that person was more sane than most people today who have expressed and perverted the love of God, that insanity of perverting the love of God, that foolishness saying love is love. Or we worship God by worshiping love. But as always, I tend to kind of wander off and I'm to discipline myself. I'm going to share with you three things. Three things. I pray to God that you remember them. I pray to God you can memorize them. I pray to God that every morning you look at them. Now, some of our visitors last week has taught me something I did not know. When I had the six questions, she took a picture of the screen. She said, that's the only way. She said, you need to tell the congregation, get your phones out. And so when the three points are out, take a picture of them so that you can remember them. First of all, the immensity of the cost of God's love. Secondly, the impediment of the recipients of God's love. And thirdly, the immeasurability of the blessing of the love of God. The immensity of the cost the impediment of the recipient, and the immeasurability of the blessing. Let's look at these very quickly. First of all, the immensity of the cost of the love of God. Not the shallow love, love, anything is love. No, the immensity of the cost. I'll never forget, some of you, few of you will remember that, years ago when the Passion of the Christ movie came out, Gibson's movie. I arranged to have a private screening for the members of this congregation. And in that private screening, I decided to invite, I won't mention names, but very prominent, non-believing, other, they're not even in the Christian faith at all, leaders, a couple. 
And they came and sat with Elizabeth and me as we screened that movie. And I can tell you, the wife absolutely sobbed her way all the way through that movie. And yet, we are visualizing only a glimpse of that cost to God. Listen to me. To take a punch for someone is different from taking a bullet for that same person. Sacrificing an hour or two for someone is different from sacrificing your future for that person. To die for another person is difficult. But think about this. The perfect God-man who never committed a sin, whose life was far more infinite in value than any human being or all of the human beings put together, who is the creator God, the creator of the world, for him to die for some reprobates, that is impossible to measure. A counselor who was refereeing between a warring couple, a husband and wife, and he was refereeing between this war between this couple and a couple who a few years earlier have promised that they'll love each other no matter what. Now they're at war. And this counselor was refereeing between them. And finally the husband began to say, I have given you a beautiful house. I have given you a beautiful car. I've given you beautiful clothes. I've given you, I've given you. I've given you. And when he finished, his wife said, yes, it is absolutely true. You have given me all these things except yourself. Except yourself. Beloved, don't fall in the trap of giving your loved ones everything except yourself. God gave himself. There can be nothing of more value. There can be nothing that God could even offer that can be comprehended than giving himself. Secondly, the impediment of the recipient of God's love. I know most people are willing to sacrifice for loved ones. Most people. Most people will sacrifice for friends. Most people are willing to sacrifice for somebody who has done a favor for them uh, in the past. But how many would gladly sacrifice for criminals? And yet our awesome God loved his own when we were unlovable, when we were undeserving, when we were at enmity with him when we were indifferent toward him, when we were ashamed of him. And that is why the word of God in Romans 5 tells us that while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rare, said Paul, will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man. Some might, listen carefully, some might possibly, some might possibly 
dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love toward us in this. While we were yet what? Sinners, Christ died for us. Beloved, the depth of God's love can only be contrasted by the impediment of the recipient of God's love. Uh, but our modern dilemma, and, and this is where we're dealing in trying to get the Scripture to a modern culture, to a to current society, to a, to, to a world in which we live, which, and that's really a dilemma. It's, it's difficulty, and it hinders us from attempting to comprehend the love of God when we think that we're so good, that we're so wonderful, that we're so worthy. Every second commercial, it says, baby, you're worth it. You're worth it. And we believe that. <laughs> Our current culture has filled us with pride and arrogance which has invaded many a church, and that is why many a preachers will preach uh, that God saw that we are so worthy of His love, and so He died for us. Listen to me, beloved, listen to me, listen please. It is not so. The Scripture says it's not so. The Word of God says it's not so. The Scripture reminds us of the truth that God's love was never based on worthiness on our part. That his love was based on his sovereign, indescribable, incomprehensible choosing to love us when we're unlovable. I know I'm, 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 I'm swinging against the current. I know that. I know that. I'm, I'm swinging against everything that you have been hearing all day, all week long. I know that. But it's the truth. It's the Word of God. It's interesting to me when I was expounding on the life of Abraham and I decided to go and look and see how Jewish theologians, not Christian theologians who are studying the Old Testament, these are Jewish theologians and have written about Abraham. And because the mindset is... Um, that you basically get rewarded, uh, you, you, you have to be good to get rewarded, and it's all rewards, 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 and therefore that they, they actually believe and they actually teach that Abraham was so good that God blessed him. <laughs> Obviously, they forgot about the few times that he lied and did other things. But don't miss the word what the Scripture says about Abraham. The, the Scripture said... It was credited to him. Can you say credited? credited? It was credited to him. If your employer credits money in your account, that salary, wages that you worked for, that's just what you earned. That's what you worked for. But when somebody out of the blue credits your account with a large amount of money, you had nothing to do with it, you've never worked for it, that's credit. That's grace. That's grace. That's a gift, and it was credited to Abraham. It was not a reward. Please listen. Human nature the way it is, I understand, I understand. We, 
we won't take credit for that which only God gave us a free gift. We, we won't get all the credit for it. And the people of Israel have fallen in that same trap. They really did. And, and, and they did this constantly. See, throughout the Old Testament, as the church is falling in it today, and after they got delivered from Egypt, well, they kind of saw the miracles and saw the plagues and saw the opening of the Red Sea, and they began to look at each other, hey, we must be super-duper guys. God doesn't do that just for anybody. We are very special. We are very, very special. So Moses, in Deuteronomy 7.7, remember that, Deuteronomy 7.7, he tried to disabuse them of that falsehood, of that arrogance and pride that has sneaked into the people of God. He said, the Lord did not set his affection on you or chose you because of this or that or the other thing, <laughs> but because of his faithfulness. Did he want to keep the promise that he made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? It is the faithfulness of God that did it. Listen, anyone who tells you that God loves you because of something about you, God loves you, because you're so special. <laughs> God loves you because what a wonderful person you are. You need to run away from that person. It's false teaching. It's false preaching. Run. Beloved, listen to me. The depth of your love for God is in proportion to the depth of your level of comprehension of His sovereign love for you. Let me repeat this. The depth of your love for God is in proportion to the depth of your level of your comprehension of His sovereign love for you. The immensity of the cost, the impediment of the recipient, and thirdly, the immeasurability of the blessings of God's love. In 1 John 3, 1, or 1 John 3, 1, it says, and please listen with your heart, listen with your ears, listen with your eyes. 1 John 3, 1. See, how great the love of the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. Immeasurable blessing, mind-blowing blessing, mind-boggling blessing. But don't miss what I'm going to tell you. Don't miss what I'm going to tell you about this particular verse, this particular text. John is telling us that God's love for us went beyond rescuing us from sin and death and hell. You say, is more? Yes. Listen carefully, please. His love for us went beyond sacrificing himself for us. How can that be? Can there be more? Yes. God's love went beyond forgiving our sins. Really, that is a blessing by itself. All the blessings. No, but there's more. God's love went beyond clemency 
for his enemies. I'm sure probably some of you are saying, well, Michael, how can that be? How can the love of God be greater and more than what we already mentioned, the forgiveness of sin, eternal life, rescuing us, all of that? I want to tell you how. I want to tell you how. Because he could have sacrificed, forgave, he could have rescued, he could have redeemed, and stop there, and that would be fantastic. That would be amazing. That would be indescribable. That would be absolutely beyond description. Ah, oh, but no, 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 no. He went much, 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 much further than that. He went much further than all of this. His love took us into his family, and he called us children. Beloved, you can forgive somebody, but he has taken us into the family, and he called us his children. Listen, listen to me. There is no human analogy, and I thought long and hard through the years that I've been in ministry. There is no human analogy that can explain this. There's nothing that can explain this. None. Even to think of a juvenile criminal being adopted by the royal family, it doesn't cover, it doesn't even come close. Even if you think of a juvenile criminal who killed a member of your family and you adopted him or her, it doesn't cover it. Do you know why? Do you know why? Because God's love for his own went much, 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 much further than all of this. Yes, his love took us criminal into his family and he called us children. By the way, as an aside, some of you know this, especially those of you whom I know well and adopted children through the years and 36 years have been in this church and through the years I've seen couples went and adopted children and, 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 and those folks know certainly most assuredly of the immense and deep admira admiration and appreciation that I have for them. They, do, they know that. But there is still one thing that you and I could never, 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 never do in a million years with adopted children. We cannot change their nature. We cannot change their hereditary traits. We cannot change their DNA. We cannot change their human genes. We cannot change their temperament. Oh, we love them, and we tell them that we love them, and we influence them, and we train them, but we could never change them. Oh, but God does. God does. God does. God's love was not merely signing an adoption papers, even though it was signed by his own blood. God's love was not just sacrificing everything for their adopted children. God's love was not merely taking us home and telling us, his adopted children, how much he loves us, how much he cares for us. 
No, but God's love for us did something we could never, 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 never do in a million years. He imparted something of himself in us and into us. So much so that we can take on the family resemblance. That, that, that we can take on the family traits. That we can take on the family genes and DNA. Listen to 1 John 3, 9. No one born of God. Now I want you to think of this verse long and hard in the light of the false teaching of so many mega church pastors, including in this city. I want you to think long and hard about this. No one is born of God. Habitually practice sin. Why? Because it is God's seed that remains in him. He cannot go on sinning because he has been born of God. But there's more. There's more. This is how we know the children of God. That's the only way we know. That's the only way. Not what they say. Beloved, this is a far cry from this modern day pastors who are saying, well, if you can't help it, it's okay. God understands. It is just your nature. That's the way he made you. It doesn't matter which sin you live in or habitually commit or whatever you do. No. No. I'm going to tell you this as I conclude. And just a few moments ago, I felt the Spirit leading me in a moment to invite some of you to come. If you, as the Lord, lead you to come down the front and pray with me. If I can get through it. It's a true story. It's a true story. If I can get through it. A little girl sat across from her daddy with legs and braces. Tears were flowing down her face as the physical therapist had just finished working on her legs. As this precious girl feels the deep pain of what the therapist has been working, as she feels the deep pain as the physical therapist just ended the tears flows down her face. And she said to her daddy, Daddy, don't you love me just the way I am? The father hugs his precious daughter and said to her, Yes, honey, I love you just the way you are but I love you too much to let you stay the way you are. Oh, my beloved friends. God's incomprehensible love for his own is so deep, is so wide, so broad, so high to leave us 
the way he found us. Can I get an amen? amen? His immeasurable love imparts his divine nature to enable us to say no to sin, to have victory over sin, to overcome sin, to experience the indescribable power of his Holy Spirit to live righteously. Listen to me. Anyone who tells you otherwise is of the devil. They are denying the power of God to transform us, and that's from Satan. Oh, regardless of the pain on the flesh, and make no mistake about it, I lived long enough to, to know that, there's pain to the flesh when we say no to sin. There's pain on the flesh. There's a pain to the old nature. Regardless of the pain of my being comes from rejection or even persecution that we may experience when we say no to sin. God loves us too much to let us live for self. God loves us too much to leave us to our own lust and pride unforgiveness, and bitterness, and hatred, and gratification of the flesh. God paid a colossal price, not just to forgive our sins. Of course, he, does, he, does, he did this and He does that, but He paid a colossal price to deliver us from sin and give us victory. Will you stand to your feet, please? Somebody here would say, Michael, I really want to begin to experience the depth of God's love. I want to experience to get into comprehending, even though I might just have a start. I want you to get up from your seat and come right here and pray with me. And he said, Michael, I really want to experience. And I begin to experience. This is just the beginning. We're going to experience it for all of eternity. But if God has spoken to you, if the Holy Spirit has spoken to you, get out of your seat, come right here and pray with me and say, I want to go, I want to live, I want to serve, I want to do what God's love has done for me. Okay? Musicians, you can start singing because it's going to take a while. Some of them are slow, some of them are going to come all the way down from the balcony. I know you will. Come on down. God spoke to you. Don't put it off. Go for it. And now you can improvise. Somebody will say, I want to have victory over sin. In comprehending the love of God, I know that's how I'm going to have victory over sin. I want you to get up your seat and say, yes, Lord, I want to have that victory. I had no plans of doing this until five minutes ago. The Holy Spirit prompted me to do this because somebody here, God is going to use in a mighty way. 
and you standing not being ashamed of Christ as he's going to be unashamed of you in the day when he presents us to his Father. You're going to get up and you're going to come here and start praying and say, Lord Jesus, I know you paid a colossal price. I know that I will never be able to comprehend all of the love and the depth and the height and the width and the breadth of your love this life, but at least I'm going to make a start. That is the prayer of Paul for the Ephesians. That's the prayer that we have for one another today in this place. I'm not going to prolong this, but I'm going to give you one more opportunity. God, the Holy Spirit spoke to you. Don't put it off. Whatever he asks you to do, it's between you and him. Come down. Pray with me as I'll pray with you. Father, I thank you for breaking me publicly before my brothers and sisters in Christ, before the whole world for that matter. But Father, that is nothing in comparison to the colossal price that our Lord Jesus paid for us, the incredible adoption and the incredible power that he pours upon us. You have given us a divine power so we can say no to sin. Father, we thank you for that colossal price. Nobody else could have paid it. And Father, we know it's indescribable. Father, we know that we are really not worthy of receiving it, but we are grateful to receive it. And I pray for every precious brother and sister who came right here and they stood before you in the courts of heaven. I pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon them and to come upon us and to come upon me because I want to comprehend I won't even begin to comprehend. 57 years have not qualified me to begin to comprehend. I want to begin to comprehend the incredible love that you have. And Father, even though we may stand against the world, we know that he who's in us is greater than he is in the world. And so I pray for strength. I pray for power. I pray for supernatural. I pray for open eyes, spiritual eyes to be open and hearts and minds are open because father we know you're more ready to give than we're ready to ask but we do ask our daddy in heaven for your glory for your glory for your glory and all of god's people said amen amen god bless you thank you for coming down god bless you